You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. going on everybody welcome welcome everybody into the overreaction buffalo sports show brought to you by the market dominator on the buffalo rumblings vodcast network i am your host and the voice of the overreaction buffalo sports show my name is joe miller you can find me on twitter as always at joe miller wired it is so good to have every single one of you with us we are live. We are on uh, YouTube and Facebook and Twitter. We are also what? Uh, we're going to drop us a podcast at midnight on Sunday night. So those of you that are listening in podcast form want to say welcome to you guys. It has been another wonderful, beautiful week here in the city of good neighbors in Buffalo, New York. And it is just good to have all of you guys with me for the show. Got an exciting show for you uh, today. Got a big show as big O. Buffalo Bills former offensive lineman Jerry Ostrowski is going to be joining the show uh, here in just a couple of minutes. Uh, but I want to, as always, just say whether this podcast finds you around a cup of coffee at the gym with your AirPods in on the drive to work or watching me live right now. Let me just say one more time. Welcome. Welcome, everybody in front who's in the chat. John Herring. Richard Rush, Amanda Davey, all the way from the Outer Banks. Good to have you guys with us. I don't know who else is there, but I'm sure that there are a bunch of you. Uh, please do me a favor, whatever platform you are watching or listening on, please like and subscribe. Don't be afraid to leave a little review. Uh, also, we are Super Chat Live, and what that means is if you have a question or a comment for myself or my guest, Jerry Ostrowski, for this episode, jump over to YouTube if you're, if you're listening live right now. Uh, and you can do that. You'll get our attention basically by just putting in a super chat. Uh, it'll show up basically at a neon color on my screen. I'll be able to see it. Uh, but but Jerry and I are going to be having a conversation. And uh, with that, it's going to be difficult for me to kind of pay attention to the comment section. So, but uh, a couple quick things, as you probably heard, if you are a uh, what's the word, a passionate listener to uh, of my show and some of the shows that I do, uh, you may have heard on the Humpty Hotline that I'm going to be taking the month of July off. So there will be no overreaction. There will be no Humpty Hotline. There will be no Off Tackle with John Fina. All of those shows should be returning in August once training camp begins. Uh, I haven't necessarily connected with John yet to find out when we're going to restart, but somewhere around there we're going to be talking. But overreaction will return, uh, I think, July 24th. I'll get into the camp dates here in a second. July 24th, I think, is the first camp date. It's a Sunday. That next Sunday is when I should be returning. Uh, Humpty Hotline should return either that early, that Wednesday before, or the Wednesday after. 
And then the Fina show, which I know all of you guys love, will be returning right around that time as well. Uh, real quick, just to bring everybody up to speed, I'm sure that you're wondering. Uh, I've been asked in my DMs, what's going on with training camp? When is it? So here is the rundown for training camp at J uh, St. John, John Fisher. If you are looking to go, you've got to have tickets. I think tickets become available on July 14th. Uh, the tickets are free. And uh, my intention is to go to a bunch of these. So if you find yourself getting tickets, uh, please look for me. It's not hard to find me. I'll be the, the ginger who's wearing a lot of sunblock uh, or jump into my DMs to find out, you know, when I'm going to be there or not. And maybe we can link up and just say hi, shake hands, whatever. Uh, but Sunday, July 24th, uh, Monday, July 25th, Wednesday, July 27th, Friday, July 29th. All these uh, practice times are at 945 in the morning as well. Saturday, July 30th, 945, Monday, August 1, Tuesday, August 2, Thursday, August 4th. Uh, then Friday, August 5th is a 5.30 practice. I think that's the red and blue game. I think that will actually be at uh, Highmark Stadium. And then uh, Sunday, August 7th at 11.45, Wednesday, August 10th at 9.45. These are all a.m. times. What, uh, Thursday, August 11th, 9.45. You'll notice there are no evening or night practices, which I was actually surprised about. I don't know why that is, unless there's going to be one that's going to come up and they haven't told us yet. Also, NFL preseason. So the Buffalo Bills host the Indianapolis Colts on August 13th at 4 p.m. Uh, then they host the Broncos on August 20th at 1 p.m. And then their last game, they are in North Carolina at uh, the Carolina Panthers, August 26th, 7 p.m. And then, as you know, the season opener is in Los Angeles, September 8th at 8.20 on a Thursday night against the Los Angeles Rams. So that is your quick rundown. Uh, just wanted to give you guys kind of that information real quick. Uh, Mark Johnson is now in the room. What's up, Mark? Good to see you, buddy. But what I want to do is now that I've kind of covered that super quick, and like I said, I just wanted to get through the notes really, really fast. Uh, I want to bring in right now a, uh, a friend of mine who has become a friend of mine because of my relationship with John Fina, which is fantastic. And he's just an overall just awesome dude, former Buffalo Bill. He actually played offensive center. He played right guard. I think he played right tackle. I think he played tackle uh utility knife right jerry big o you were a utility knife you played from uh 1994 to 2001 all with the bills um how are you tonight what's going on man i'm doing awesome i appreciate you having me on um man this is it's it's really neat to see this type of stuff you guys you got your podcast there's different things during the week fina show um it's awesome to be able to sit down at night pop something on the uh youtubes and uh kind of relax a little bit and uh catch up on what's going on. So it's, it's been great being able to reconnect with uh, uh, people from Buffalo, the Bills Mafia, yourself included. So um, things are going well, man. Things are going well. That's, that's awesome. It's, there's been a very cool, um, not a resurgence, but kind of like a revival. Uh, almost like a re like a reawakening uh, to to a connection to a lot of the players of the past, like yourself, like John Fina. Right. Um, there's just a, there, there's a hunger that we didn't probably have in the drought era. Now, I don't know if it's because the bills are good. I don't know if it's because of access like this, just that, you know, <laughs> I was going right. to say schleps like me, regular right. dudes like me can get on this thing here and like right. have a guy like you on and like bring kind of some like connection uh, from the bills of the past to the bills of today. Right. You know, I, I look at it and it's social media. I mean, a lot of it for me, it started with Twitter. I mean, Twitter is the blower yeah. for middle-aged men, right? I mean, that's, <laughs> that's where middle-aged men go to get, uh, to laugh, to to scream at clouds, to do different things like that. Personally, I had a radio show on and off since so 2002. Oh wow! When I went, yeah, when I went back on the air, I was doing um, I was doing 11 to two every day, 
and you know use Twitter as a means for getting mm. uh, up to the second information, you know, breaking news and those types of things. Right. And right. In the, and, and in the process of doing that, connect started connecting with uh, Bill's mafia members, and next thing you know, I mean, I've got you know, there's you know, like I got a friend out there, and you know, you, Pam, you know, Pam. Amadonna, yeah, she's Pam good Madonna, great list. Pam, send me a recipe, send me a recipe for a Polish cheesecake, right? <laughs> Going to make it for my birthday. Um, the Polish cheesecake is fantastic. Right, my right, my exactly. mother in law, you know, I got my 26 shirt on here, I got my Buffalo Polish, but yep, it's, yep. um, you know, it's it, it's been awesome to be able to connect with people that maybe you didn't know or get to meet when you played, and now you're able to come together for a, a common cause, which is not only the city of Buffalo, but the Buffalo Bills. So it's, it's, it's been great. Yeah. Fantastic. So that's cool that you actually did radio for a while. So are you still doing that on and off or did, did you say, or no? Yeah, I do it on and off uh, here and there. There's a station in town, 1170 that is uh, just cropped up. Um, I do some stuff with them, but I used to do, I did about on and off, I guess about, I'd say five to seven years of radio wow. and I love radio. Okay. But as you'll know, Joe, because you got this show, your show is as good as you are, right? right? You're the one bringing the energy. Everybody thinks it's the caller. It's the person. No. You are the one bringing the energy. And radio is not as easy as it seems. Right. It's almost harder than television because television, they can stick you in front of a cool thing and you know a background, a scenery. Radio man, you're in a room. You got a microphone and you're trying to it's like theater of the mind, right? Oh, yeah. You're trying to make these people believe or, or or see something that you know imagine things. So it's uh it's definitely difficult, especially for a person like myself who, as you can see, likes to talk with his hands. That it's doesn't good. really work. That doesn't really work on the radio. <laughs> it's uh I get I get people at, that ask me all the time just for whether it's help or advice. They want to start a podcast. Uh, how did I you know how did I, how did what was the the path that I took or you know how did I get to this point you know and I hear a lot of different things. Just as far as like, you know, what people like about the show, about this show that I do by myself, primarily, you know, just the way that I tell a story, uh, just the, the inflection, the delivery and all right. that kind of stuff. And that wasn't natural. There was yeah. work that went into it. So there was a there was a long time, the first year where I would record a show. I dropped the, the podcast before I was doing YouTube and you know this and you listen back to yourself and it's like, yeah. what could I have done better? Oh, I really mumbled through that part or I really talked fast or. Uh, I just didn't inflect or would it be better if I paused dramatic, <laughs> right? Right. Um, I've found that in my show asking questions, literally like, so if I, if I just ask a question to the, to the listener, you know, what do you, you know, what do you think? Do you really think that blah, 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 blah. And then pause. And if I ask a question right. and pause, a lot of times people listening will be like, what do I think about that? Right. <laughs> but then you funny. also have, then you also have that uncomfortable silence. Right. You know right. what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah, it's it's different. But, you know, and then people don't understand, like, I want to do a podcast. Everybody wants to do a podcast, right? It's it's like that time that myself and Dusty Ziegler, we were with Flutie, and we met uh, we met um, Leonard Skinner backstage. What did you name the, drop uh, it? Yeah, <laughs> Dusty yeah. Ziegler, Doug Flutie, Leonard Skinner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I might know those guys. Into Anytime you had somebody that, like, you know, took snaps from you. You feel a little more intimate with that person. Mm -hmm. I guess. Mm -hmm. But uh, anyway, we're down at the, down at the arena in Buffalo. And, you know, like, like Rosignol said, everybody, you know, all musicians want to be athletes and all athletes want to be rock stars. It's true. Right. And um, these podcasts are fun and everything, but people don't realize you and I've been talking about this for the last, you know, two, three days. 
we made we set the time a month ago right um you know there's preparation so there's a little bit more to it than just turning the lights on and you know and 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 performing yeah this is totally off script and this is a wonderful conversation and i love it (laughs) i love it when this happens pat moran who does talking buffalo and i have had have had a couple podcasts where he'll bring me on and we'll talk about the grind that is podcasting right. and what goes into it and getting back to the, just the, the people asking me, Hey, if I'm going to start a podcast, what advice would you give me? I always tell them, you got to have a concept. Your concept can't be, well, I'm going to talk about the bills. That's not a concept. There's, right. there's got to be a reason, like an overlying thing, a theme, if you will. Now mine right. is kind of a flip on bills fans because it's called the overreaction sports show where because let's face it bills mafia overreacts a lot i mean there's not there's <laughs> yeah. not many there's not many other fan bases that when a uh, kick returner fumbles a football that costs us a game that people like drive to his house and spray paint on his lawn and it's not right but that's just what bills fans right. do uh we run people out of like bills players out of town and saber players we just we overreact that's what right. we do. the world we live and breathe and die on what our sports teams do the the flip on that is i don't really overreact a whole lot like for me, that's the, the name of the show. And I bring it to people and I call myself the every fan. But at, at the end of the day, I feel like the emotions that I try to bring to my show, my concept, if you will, is what were you feeling on the couch? Because this is what I was feeling. And I bet right. we're feeling the same way. Right. So that's no, that's what I love about it. I mean, it's raw. It's cool. Right. It, it's it's at the it's in the moment. I have a real good friend named RJ Young. Um, who works for Fox Digital right now. He's their college football correspondent for Fox Digital, Fox Sports Digital. Uh, he started the same way you have. Um, mm. But what people don't get about content, like he made some sort of content every day for like five years in a row. Yeah, it's hard. And then finally got worked up and made it. But he had a, what I guess you would call it, instant reaction. Yeah. You know, yeah. he started yeah. off with the Sooners and it was an instant reaction type of thing and it went from there. But yeah, um, it's awesome. I love, I love to watch it bro it's uh that goes back to the grind piece so like <laughs> and we can yeah. put this to bed at this at this point point right here so i i'm on buffalo rumblings which is part of sb nation which is part of Vox media like it's a legitimate right. organization we just started the youtube grind really last year and it's still growing there's some other uh uh what you would call it uh outlets whether it's cover one or fanatics that are have right. a huge head start on us when it comes to youtube uh podcasting we're i think number one as far as that goes in the buffalo market all that to say this from a youtube standpoint we put all this work in and you just talked about it. all of us do all the time and myself jay spencer king uh sterling furrow uh bruce nolan all of us put all this nate geary all of us put all this work in to get 600 to 900 views on youtube only meanwhile somebody right. does a madden simulation of the buffalo bills versus the the rams which is literally like i'm just going to turn on madden and let them play the game and broadcast it to youtube 5,000 views. It's like, what is, yeah. <laughs> what is going on right now? Yeah, I'll go one further. I'll go one further, Joe. I got a kid that works in the, in, the, in the industry. I'll see him all the time in the hallway outside an OR waiting for a case, staring at his phone. And what is he doing? He's watching Call of Duty. Right, watching, watching other people kids, play. <laughs> other people play Call of Duty. And he's commenting on it. And I'm like, what, what are you doing? Man, this is awesome. You see, I'm like, I don't, you know. I try to be a progressive older person. I get it. I'm fi- I'll be 52 in July in a couple of weeks. Yeah. I try to be progressive. I got a 23. He's going to be 23 and I got a 19 year old. So for their sake, and I have 11 year old twins as well, but oh, nice. you awesome. know, 
my hypocrisy, like, 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 <laughs> like my man Doc Holliday says in uh, in Tombstone, my hypocrisy only goes so far. That's right. Yep. <laughs> That's a fantastic movie. <laughs> so yeah, I'm 49. Uh, so just turned 49 last weekend. So right there with you. Um, right. Yeah. It's just, I, so I, I've told Jay Spencer King, I, I'm just like, I just want to like beat out the simulation people. If I can beat out the simulation <laughs> people on YouTube, this might all right. begin to. It's worth it. But let's get back to the show. So I have in my notes via uh, Wikipedia, and you corrected me, which was great. So I'd love to hear it. I have that you were drafted in the 10th round uh, in 2001, 271 overall. Uh, So before I ask you about that process, your I guess maybe it's part of it. Your road or path to the Bills was much different than just simply drafted in the 10th round right 271 overall so talk to me or talk to us about that a little bit just just your path from college uh to the buffalo bills well it's funny it's been that way since i was a a young kid uh i've always kind of been the kid that's always been big um and and they kind of like you and is he fast enough he's strong enough Mm -hmm. can he move well enough um in high school they tried to play somebody in front of me i ended up beating them out and, and ended up starting the rest of the way through. I go to college, um, was lightly recruited. I had an offer. Um, the thing I like to say, my big trivia thing is, is uh, I was offered by Temple, the University of Tulsa. Uh, Pitt had some interest. The only mm. place I ever wanted to go was Penn State. They mm. wanted me to walk on. Mm. Delaware was a team that offered me. So I had, and then I had like that whole gamut of Division II Pennsylvania schools, right? So I told my mom and dad, I'm like, look, I'm not going to Temple. And the funny thing is, is the guy that offered me a scholarship, um, it was his first head coaching job in football. Mm. Uh, Happened to be a guy by the name of Bruce Arians. Oh. (laughs) Um, And, um, you know, looking back on it, it had been cool to play for Bruce. But I told him, I said, look, I'm going to Tulsa and never been there before. If you told people in Pennsylvania where I grew up outside of Philly, I'm going to Tulsa, they'd say, is that in, isn't that in Louisiana? Is that down in New Orleans? I'm like, no, that's Tulane. I'm going to Tulsa. (laughs) And um, I said, if I don't go there, I'm going to go to Delaware. And I went out and I loved it. And I went to Tulsa and I uh, I never came back. Ended up starting as a freshman, played four years. My last year there, I was an, uh, was an all American, was a uh, first team all American. I got to be on a Bob Hope show and meet Bob Hope. That's cool. And, um, you know, coming out of that, you're like, hey, man, you know, I'm getting ready to get drafted high. I want to do this. I want to do that. You start thinking about what truck you're going to buy. And the next thing you know, uh, you get drafted in the 10th round and you're like, <laughs> what the hell happened? Right. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know. Again, I think it's the same thing. They saw a big kid. Is he is he kind of slow or whatever, whatever mm-hmm. this, that. And my whole thing was I played well. Uh, I could block people and I was strong. I was big and physical and I could play and um, maybe didn't test out well to combine. But if you watch tape, I could play. And um, so I got picked by Kansas city and uh, they picked three offensive linemen that year, Joe, they picked me, Mm. a guy named uh, a guy from San Diego state, last name Jennings and some other guy named um, Jay Lewenberg. And uh, Jay and I were both all Americans they cut me and Jay. Jay was a center for Colorado. They cut me and Jay, kept Jennings. Jennings was on the practice squad for one year and never played again. Wow. And um, me and Jay Lewenberg played a combined about 18 or 19 years in the league. Wow. So, uh, you know, the science isn't always there. But Kansas City yeah. was loaded. They didn't need really any offensive linemen. Um, after that, I came back to Tulsa, helped with the football program. Uh, after the season, signed with Atlanta. I could have signed with four teams, and Buffalo was one of them, and I chose not to go. 
Mm. I ended up going to Atlanta. It was Buffalo, New York Giants, the Jaguars, and uh, the Falcons. So I went to the Falcons. They cut me, came back, and I was working for the football program. I was breaking down film one day, and uh, my offensive line coach came in the room, and he says, hey, he says, there's this guy named Dwight Adams here to see you. Dwight's here to see you. And Dwight was uh, – yep player personnel director for the bills. Yeah. He was from little yeah. rock, Arkansas. So he yeah. did a lot of that self scouting in that area. And, uh, I walked in the office and he proceeded to cuss me out for about 10 to 15 minutes. Uh, said, I wasn't real smart. Uh, you know, why didn't you come up here? And then after we did all that and got the pleasantries out of the way, he said, Hey, we're going to make a move in the next couple of weeks. And if we do it, I want you to be, come up and be on the practice squad. Mm. And, um, so I got a call on a Friday. I was in Utah visiting my wife. She was doing a chapter consultant job with her sorority uh, at the University of Utah. I flew back. Uh, I flew back Saturday, packed up on Sunday, a couple bags, got on the plane Monday, physicals and all that worked out, signed a contract and practiced Wednesday and never left. Stayed there from that point until I retired. That's amazing. I never left. So I was on the practice squad a couple of years. That last Super Bowl, when we went to Atlanta, I uh, was on that team on the practice squad. The next year, I was on the practice squad for about, I think it was uh, 12 games. Mm-hmm. And uh, they brought me up. And we played Sunday night against the Miami Dolphins on ESPN. Mm. And the guy that uh, was playing left tackle, or left guard rather, not left tackle, that'd be John. John mm-hmm. was playing well. Uh, the guys playing left guard gave up another sack, and they pulled him. And Tom Bredgehan looked at me and said, okay, you're in. And I looked behind me like, yeah, who's going in? And he's like, no, you're going in. I'm go <laughs> and uh, it was a blur, but ended up from that point on, ended up playing and uh, got to start 100 and some games. and kind of 106. I think it's 106 is the number. Yeah. I, I wrote yeah. it down. It's 106 games of the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, free. Yeah. So what? What year was the draft? What year were you drafted? I was picked the same year as John, I believe, 1991. 91. So, okay. yeah, it was 91. So, John, when John was picked in the first round, I was picked that year in the 10th round. So, it was, so a, it was kind a, of opposites and everything. He's real nice. You know, he's real skinny. I'm kind of big. He got picked in the first round. I got picked in the 10th round. You you're know, really not. You're really nice. He's yeah. kind of a jerk. You know, <laughs> he's pretty. I'm ugly. I mean, I get it. I mean, you know, he definitely. There. Yeah. Have you heard that story about about? I, I, I don't know. We're just gonna have a bro talk. It, so he he he's coming up. For, the Legends community has him coming up for the Washington right. game. I think right. last year. La, it was last year. Uh, he calls me. Says I'm coming in for the for the Legends game. Uh, what are you doing for the game? And I was like, well, I'm probably, you know, I got this going on early, you know, work, you know, because I was working on Sundays at the time at the church, uh, you know, so I, I'm not planning on going to the game. I was like, so I'll probably be just watching it on my on my couch. He's like, well, I'm coming up for the game. He goes, I want to watch it with you. And I'm like, well, I can't really go to the game. He goes, right. no, I want to watch it with you on your couch. And I'm like, wait, <laughs> wait, what? why? You've got a ticket. Why would you? He goes, because he goes, we're friends. Like, he goes, right. I, I, I want to experience a football game with you. And I'd rather hang out with you. For the limited time that I'm going to be there, like after the tailgates and all that stuff. So all, all that to say this, he, he sure enough, like I get home, I get home at like 145. He drives to my house from from the from the pregame tailgate stuff. And, you know, he did the you know like all the appearances that he had to do. We're watching the game. Well, my wife usually gets home about 45 minutes to an hour after I do, especially during the football season, because I'm racing to get home. Right. Uh, and so she is expected because she's heard me have conversations with John in the car, in the truck, like, you know, through the Bluetooth and all that kind of stuff. She knows I've got this relationship with John, but she doesn't know who he is. She doesn't know anything about right. football. She's expecting six foot, 
five, eight, giant, like mountain of a man, just enormous human being. She comes home. I pause the game. John gets up to greet her, and she's just like, yeah, <laughs> sticks her hand out. And afterwards, afterwards, I was like, what was that about? She goes, he was nothing that I expected. He was six foot five, thin, beautiful blue eyes, just beautiful. She's like, as soon as I saw him, my heart was just right. <laughs> I was like, well, we nice. can fix we can fix that. If she ever meets me, she'll think she met Shrek. So she'll be all right. I'm right there. With you. So she she was just taken by him and his his aura. I'm surprised he's not listening, but his aura and his beauty, as far as that goes. But yeah, right. he's a he's a, he's a wonderful human. But uh, so so three years. So you had a three year journey right. from two uh, from 2001. I didn't realize that you were drafted in 01. Wikipedia didn't say that. I didn't yeah. really put, put that together. So that's well, 91. Yeah, they they lose track when you get cut three times and then yeah yeah know, yeah for sure so i got like i said it's, it took me three you know i got cut three times and the thing about buffalo what they were doing and um rusty jones would probably die on the spot if he heard me say this um rusty jones our longtime strength coach in buffalo yep, yep. Uh, rusty was way before his time mm. and um rusty and i butted heads <laughs> for the entire time i was in buffalo because I always wanted to do things my way and Rusty had another way of doing it, which was the right way to do it. Right, and when right. I did it his way, things went well. Right. right and, right. um, you know, Rusty, they, they, they were taking guys like house Ballard, myself, bigger guys and, and giving them the Rusty for a while and letting him work with us, change our diet, lose some weight, change the body comp up and those mm. types of things. And, um, you know, I, I owe a lot to him and I owe a lot to the Bills uh, personnel department that they were patient. They brought me in and they let me be on the practice squad and do those things and um, treated me well. I mean, even this, even the year that they, they cut me, they're like, look, it was a lot. I was the last guy cut. And they're like, look, if we cut this other dude, somebody's going to pick him up. We think we can sneak you under the wire. If we mm -hmm. bring you back, we're going to take care of you. All that. And everything they said they did. And that was the thing about Buffalo that I always will respect when they said it especially the old regime, yep, you know, yep. there was a, there was a, there was a track there where it changed. Yep. But when Marvin Wade were there and those guys, it was always, I mean, they, they, they were, they were people of their word and yeah. uh, John Butler, gosh, John Butler and Dwight, like, you know, I owe so much. Guys, like but uh, they allowed me to, to, to get ready to play NFL football. And the reason I got to play so many was one, yeah, it was one. It was necessity. I mean, I've been cut three times. So what's my niche? You know, everybody has a niche. Everybody has something they do well. Um, mine was going to be I was going to have multiple spots. Practice squad years. I was kind of like the seniority guy of the practice squad. I was like, hey, I'm going to snap this week. Give me the ball. I'm yeah. going to play tackle this week. Give me the ball. Or they come up to me and say, hey, uh, the tackle for the Steelers is huge. I want you to play right tackle and scout all week and try to try to bust you know, whoever up now, when yeah, you yeah. say whoever it was not, Bruce it was Smith. not Bruce. Okay. Bruce, <laughs> oh, you could not touch Bruce. Okay. If you gotcha. touch Bruce, it was <laughs> old, like Bruce, like Bruce there. Everybody's like, Oh my God, practice Did Bruce kill you. No, Bruce didn't kill you unless you touched him. Then he killed you. Um, you just, you don't touch Bruce. That's you didn't do it. So um, yeah. So it was, that's how I learned and got comfortable doing it. And when they called my number, I was ready. That's awesome. What was it like just, so you're coming to, so you're, you're drafted by Kansas city. You've got this dream. The dream doesn't unfold the way that you want. Then you get cut. 
you're kind of bouncing around a little bit, you know, and then you meet Dwight Adams, who who everybody, yeah. well, older Bill fans like myself know who Dwight Adams is because he ended up going to San uh, San Diego with John Butler. And I think he, after John Butler, Butler passed, I believe he became the GM. No, that was – um, uh, that not Dwight Adams? Yeah, that was Dave. Uh, that was that was that was uh, that was Mr. Butler's. The guy right under Mr. Butler. Yes. Dwight was the guy that was just below that guy. Gotcha. Okay. And uh, he he kind of ran the personnel. Gotcha. So where what is your mindset? All that to say this: what is your mindset? What is your mentality when you are coming in almost on a shoestring, right? right. And it's 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 a football team that's that's going to Super Bowls. They've put 11 guys in the Pro Bowl in one season, right? It's Jim Kelly, it's Bruce Smith, it's Thurman Thomas, it's Andre Reed, it's egos, Daryl Talley, <laughs> it's egos everywhere. How do you, how do you, I guess for me, the question I would ask is how do you not shrink in that situation? The Bills didn't allow you to. Really? That's awesome. You know, we, there was, yeah, there was a lot of egos. There's a lot of unbelievable. I mean, what is it? Seven people associated with those teams are in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. yeah. But when you come to a locker room and you sit next to a, on a stool next to Ken Hull, who, who should be in the, who should be in the Hall of Fame? Yes, who should be in the Hall of Fame? And he talks to you and talk, you know, and you learn from him. And he's a guy that he's a guy that didn't make it right away either. Mm-hmm. He went to the he went to the he went to the USFL. Now, unlike Jim Kelly, who went because they paid those guys. Mm-hmm. You know, that was his opportunity. And he went to the USFL and then he gets to come to Buffalo and you're in a locker room with Glenn Parker and you, you know, Glenn's story. And then John and, and the list goes on and on and on John Davis and house mm-hmm. Ballard mm-hmm. Buffalo did things differently. And it was, it was, it was much different experience than I had in, in Kansas city. And of course it was a different experience than I had in Atlanta because um, that was Jerry Glanville, which that was an absolute zoo. Mm-hmm. Um, down there, but you know, you, you come in and, and a lot of us, you know, I played a lot of football. I played since I was a freshman in college and I knew I could play. Mm-hmm. I just needed somebody to give me an opportunity. That's good. And I went to Kansas city and had no opportunity. No, right, right, they were, right. but they were loaded. They had Grunhard and they had Zot and they had pro bowlers yep. and John Alton. It was right. I shouldn't have made that team. Um, then in Atlanta, the offense and what I do well did not mix. I am not a run and shoot offensive lineman. Gotcha. That is not what I do. Um, but when I got to Buffalo, it just clicked. It just meshed. Mm. And I think I think it was there was a lot of patience. And they put a lot of responsibility on you. They treated you like a man. I mean, you know, they gave you things to do. If you didn't do them, you got fined. And it wasn't like this big grandioso, like grandstanding deal where they put your name in the paper or talked about you on TV. You got your paycheck and it was light. And it said what right. you did. Um, you know, and if there was any issues, Marv would call you in and talk to you for five minutes. And, you know, get that you, was the end of it. Get you straight. Right. And it just, it just, it just meshed a lot better for me. And then, you know, you're coming to a team that's, it's confident. It's got that's unbelievable awesome. talent that's been the four Super Bowls. I mean, it's, it's hard for that to rub, for that not to rub off on you. Yeah. Super, super good. So you've blocked for Hall of Famer Thurman Thomas. Yep. You blocked for Super Bowl champion with the New England Patriots, Antoine Smith, who was a mysterious right. man in that he was what six two, six three, and ran like a super low 40 time, just a big dude. I remember uh from my seats, uh I, I was at a game, it was against the Raiders, and th- th- 
I'm on the visitor side. My seats and it's the same seats I'm, that I was in back then. I'm in today. So uh, three thirteen row one seats eighteen and nineteen are where me and my dad sit. Right. I remember where you guys were lined up. I could see all of your butts, right? So I could see your butts. I, could see the quarterback. I don't remember who the quarterback was, but I remember, and I'm sure you probably do too, because it was one of those hits heard around the world. You still see highlight reels of Antoine Smith, and this play is in there. And I remember the ball was snapped. Antoine got the ball. He went, shot. I don't know what gap it is because I'm not that smart about football, but he went to the left, and there was one defensive back standing there to take Antoine Smith. And the dude, and he just trucked him. He yeah. he like ran straight over him and <laughs> proceeded. I don't remember if he made it to the end zone or not, but like I saw just the Red Sea part between you guys, Antoine Smith heading for the hole, and that Raider defensive back just standing there, like probably just white, nothing but the whites of his eyes as Antoine just like rolled right over him. So huge dude, like awesome guy. And then I think one year for Travis Henry, is that correct? You had to block one year for Travis Henry? Yeah, played block for Travis a little bit as well, back towards the end of Greg when Greg Williams showed up. Yeah, I loved Travis Henry. I know he wasn't the fastest guy in the world, but he was good um, for he was good for four or five yards every time he touched the ball, Travis Henry, T old T Hank. Yeah, Travis was a, and all those guys are great backs. They all brought something, you know, they all brought something different. But obviously, um, yeah, you know, and heck, we can even go back to to um, you know, go all the you know, nobody was like Thurman. I mean, Thurman was just yeah. Right. Nobody, yeah. nobody. I actually the, the most underrated part of Thurman's game was, and I will tell this people this all the time was his pass blocking. He would light oh, yeah. linebackers up. Oh yeah, nobody pass blocked like him. Ever. Yeah, for sure. That's that's one thing that's actually missing. Uh, kind of in this running back group is it, they've got one now with Duke Johnson, uh, who has some pass blocking skills, right. but they haven't really needed it. We'll talk about Josh Allen in a minute in this team, but Josh Allen evades the pass rush so well. You almost got to wonder if they right now even need it. I would like to see them do it, but uh, yeah, you've blocked for some pretty incredible people. Do you have a favorite game, favorite win, favorite memory, or a couple that you could share with us? I have a few. I think my 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 probably the first game I ever played in just how that all went down. Um, you know, I play, I come in halfway through the second quarter and we had had another offensive line. I mean, John Davis got hurt that game too. He was, uh, struggling with a neck injury and, um, Mike Devlin came in to, to, to take over for him. And we come from behind. I don't, if you can watch the game on YouTube, it's, it's, it's really cool. They take all the old games and they shorten them down and you can watch them. Um, Andre, caught a tipped pass and it was either Andre or it was, yeah, it was Andre took, caught a tip pass, took it in score. We ended up winning on Sunday night football, which at the time was on ESPN and, and McGuire was the, one of the announcers. Yep. And, yep. Um, just, and we come in from that game and, we, and Jim Kelly singles me and Mike out and gives us game balls. Oh, that's amazing. So the first game I ever play in, mm. I get a game ball that's from amazing. this guy that's, Still, it, I don't know. I was such a football fan growing up, and I was such a stu- love the game, love players, and the way I the way I made it. Um, you know, I still was in awe. Like I'm like I'm playing with Jim Kelly. Like the time Jim, you know, it just was it just was weird, you know. Right, right. But uh, that was probably sticks out as much as anything. Uh, Flutie's uh, impromptu bootleg against Jacksonville. Yep, uh, that's always a great one. Um, the countless kicks that Steve Christie made. I, oh I think I, of any, I'm not a fan of kickers, but we <laughs> had some really good ones in, in Buffalo. And uh, Steve Christie, I think, will be one of my favorite players of all time just because knowing him off the field and then playing with him, he was awesome. And then, of course, uh, 
we played San Diego at home and got the opportunity to 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 score a touchdown, which was uh, which was the only one that I've ever scored, middle school, high school, college, or pros. So break it down for us. So you're you're, you're perfect segue. That was my next question. You scored a touchdown in 2000. Tell us I'd, about it. I'd like to I'd like to say that it was cool as Fina's. You know, I'd like to say that they were like, you know, you know how you grow up with that kid. You're always like, you know, you you get a you get a used Camaro and he shows up with a new Mustang. You know, he's, yeah, he's yeah, it's how John was kind of. You know, John always got I my touchdown was I fell on a fumble. <laughs> they, they, didn't, they didn't run a play for me. Right, we were right. blocking on the goal line. Jonathan Linton took the handoff from the two. Went to go into the end zone. He reached, and the ball comes out. He got hit, and the ball comes out. And I had blocked a linebacker in the end zone and kind of sloughed off about four yards in the end zone and turned to look back at the play. And as I turned to look back at the play, I looked down, and the football is at my right feet. There. Right. So there. I just had a convulsion and fell on the ball and <laughs> covered it up. And that's uh, that's the highlight of my touchdown. But I'll tell you what, when you only have one, you take it any way you can that's get right. it. That's right. And, and I'll be probably, honest with you. And it, you, I don't know if you've seen some of those videos. Gronk don't have nothing on me, man. I spiked the hell out of that damn ball. <laughs> I smashed it. Was it? Uh, it. It's the new. It's the the new uh, oh, longest yard with uh, with the newer one, the version with uh, Adam Sandler, where he says right. nothing but that a fat guy touched. No, was it that movie? <laughs> fat guy touched on a fat. No, it's the replacements. You get a, it was John yes. Madden. The replacements. Fat replacement. guy touched on. You get a fat guy spike. Yeah, uh, which is great. Yep. No, it's John Fina. I'll be honest with you. John Fina's touched on. I think if we could, if we could go back and there was an official like New York replay. His shoulder may have been out of bounds. I'm just saying. I, I you know, I, so yours may have been legitimate. His mm. may have been illegitimate. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. His, yeah, the pass play, and he was wide open on that play. I know. It was, it was How unbelievable. About that? So I remember being a Bills fan, obviously back then, and I remember you know being young and understanding and, and really growing into what I knew about football. And I remember when we got Wade. So Walt Corey gets let go, uh, and then they bring in Wade Phillips, who who left Denver because he couldn't. Basically, he couldn't beat the Bills, which is why he right. got booted from Denver. And that's the part that everybody seems to forget when they talk about John Elway, Dan Marino, is these guys couldn't beat Jim Kelly and the Buffalo Bills. Uh, and it's you know very much Ohio State, Michigan between like a lot of like back then. But <clears throat> Wade Phillips ends up in Buffalo, and it was an heir apparent. We all knew as Bills fans, and we were kind of excited. What is your? I don't know what the word is. What is the? Was there a change in the locker room? Was there a, a feel of knowing that, like, Marv's getting up there, Marv's a legend, all the stuff that Marv did, who Marv is, but that dude, that's the next guy. Like, is there a, I don't know, a story in there somewhere? Wade, I don't want to say Wade was exactly Marv 2.0, but Wade was a lot more like Marv than you think he was. Mm. Um Another coach that was a player's coach to the fact where he treated us like men. Mm. We had things that he wanted us to do, and it was up to us to do them, and he wasn't going to sit there and beat us beat us down and make us do it. You were going to do it as a yeah. man, and if you couldn't get it done, then you were going to have to go somewhere else. Right. Um, Wade is an extremely loyal person. And in most of these cases, I don't – if you really got behind the scenes and, 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 and saw things – it was the case in Buffalo, and I bet you it's the case probably maybe probably every job that he's ever had and been let go. Wade is not going to 
go in and just fire people and make changes because somebody above him wants to do it. He is a loyal man. He treats people with respect. And, you know, he's not going to jump to conclusions and take a man's livelihood away from him because somebody above him is having, here's a great segue. You ready for this? Uh, This is why I was in radio and overreaction, you know, um, and that's what ultimately got him in Buffalo. And it's what got, it gets him in most places. Yeah. Um, Wade is one of the best football coaches I've ever played for. It's amazing. Uh, Wade's one of the greatest men that I've ever played for. Um, I've been lucky. My, my college coach, Dave Rader, Marv, and Wade Phillips, the three guys that I can really truly call my true, you know, that I played an amount of time for as a head coach. Mm. I've been awfully honored to have great men to, to play for. So, um, but yes, I think that's, I think Wade's downfall is most is not because of wins and losses. It's because he will not overreact and he will not go in and just, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater. You got to give me a reason why, you know, you got to give me a reason why you want me to do that. And most of the time they're not right. And he's willing to, he's willing to, to lose his job to protect his, his staff, which is highly admirable. And he did. He absolutely did. It's funny because uh, I remember overreacting when he wouldn't fire his special teams coordinator at Ralph's uh, behest um, because of the way that things happened. And I remember being, I remember where I was hearing it on the radio like listening to GR 55 and just having an expectation Wade getting fired and being, and we don't have to talk about the next regime. John has talked enough about just his opinions and the changeover and stuff like that. Not crazy yeah. stuff, but where we don't need it. Yeah, exactly what he said. Um, and I remember like, just what a mistake. And then we'll just leave. <laughs> I mean, that right. effectively led to the 17 year drought in Buffalo because of that knee jerk by Ralph Wilson, that overreaction, which is unfortunate. Um, off script question. <clears throat> when you talk about transition, and I don't know why I didn't think about this before, but I'm thinking about it now. 1996, the Bills play the Jaguars uh, in the playoffs. Jim Kelly's last football game, Natron Means, that whole football game. Yada, yada. Right. Tony Baselli. That's the Tony Baselli, yep. Bruce, Bruce Smith. That's that that game, because Tony Baselli had a good game against Bruce, Tony Baselli somehow was like heralded as this like amazing, and I'm not saying he wasn't a good player. But like it still gets like kind of chimed and clapped about how well he did in that game against Bruce Smith, one game, which it it's a battle. And John talks about that all the time. I'm gonna win some, you're gonna win some. It's never a whole ass whooping on right. either side, generally speaking. Um, but what I want to ask you about is just the feeling in that locker room, maybe knowing that that was that was it for Jim, like the air, like. I mean, Jim was just, he was just cut from a different cloth. What, what coming out of that, did you guys know that that was going to be Jim's last game or did it come out later? I guess that might be a better question. I don't think we ever thought we, we didn't believe it. I mean, Jim was, Jim was kind of like, um, I mean, first of all, he was larger than life to a lot of, you know, some of those guys, maybe not, but to me, he was larger than life still. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was, an, he was an amazing player and, and it was an honor for me to be able to play, play with him and for him. Um, we, we maybe didn't want to believe it, but we kind of knew in the back of our minds that it would, it might happen. Mm-hmm. Um, just a tremendous, uh, you know, you, you feel bad, you don't, and, and, you know, you have that whole thing about, you feel bad for yourself. Mm. You feel bad for the organization cause you're losing a player like that, but you feel bad for him. I felt bad for Jim because I knew how much he loved to play football. 
Right, right. I knew how much I knew what the game meant to him. I knew what it meant to his family, his brothers, his dad. Um, and when you have to say that's enough, mm. uh, that's awful hard, especially a guy like Jim Kelly. And right. um, so, yeah, I probably I probably thought about more of those types of things. And, oh, well, it was me. What are we going to do? Right. Um, right. You know, did did we think it would be. You know, do we think that we'd be heading towards a 17-year, you know, drought? No, right, but right. um, but right. yeah, that was probably that's probably the hardest thing for me is seeing a guy walk up there and admitting and saying this is it, right? Um, and knowing what this game means to him, it was that was that was pretty tough. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then I remember talking to John just about when he was getting towards the end. And I want to ask you a question too, a little, little again, a little off script. Um, John said that in 2001, when it was getting time for him, he just knew mentally that like he wasn't when he was with the Cardinals, and he knew that he was brought into Arizona for a reason to kind of like be the mentor, be the older, like the older guy in the room. Which we see Sean McDermott even now. Right. Uh, he likes to have an older vet in each each one of the in each one of the rooms, but he knew that like. And, and John has said, you know, when you're when your mind and your mind when you're done, football becomes very dangerous because if you're not mentally ready to play that game as a man, like it's it's trouble. How did if, if you don't mind speaking just to because I know yours was more injury related, but how did you work through that process of just knowing that you know what it's it's probably time? I give that's one thing I do give the Bills organization credit for at the time, and even though I didn't see eye to eye with some of the new people that came in. I do give them credit for that. They allowed me to work through it. Mm. They allowed me to, I, I, that off season, I'd come back and what had happened was in that preseason the year before I broke the, the head of my tibia off. I had a tibial plateau <sighs> fracture. So tibial plateau fracture, about a third, about a half to a third of the head of my tibia was, mm. was broken. And they, I went in, uh, that happened on a Friday night. I went in on Monday, uh, the, you know, plates and screws. And I had always been the dude, like, first of all, when you get cut three times, there's a bit of paranoia to you. Yeah, for sure. You run a little scared. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, I got to get back this, you know, this don't feel right. And, um, you know, we all go back to the, what is it? The, uh, the, the Wally Pip story about Joe DiMaggio. Isn't it the Wally Pip story? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Wally says he wants a day off. And he takes the day off, and DiMaggio is it DiMaggio or who comes in and plays for him and then never leaves? I think and it's then Pep gets traded, and the rest is history. Anyway, yep. I, I had a little bit of that feeling to me, so I get to play in screws. I go back. We're still in Rochester. They got a pool in there, and I mean, as soon as I can, I start rehabbing. Hmm. And I'm rehabbing with Rusty Jones, and I'm in the shallow end of the pool, and I end up coming back in ten weeks hmm. from a plateau fracture, which I probably shouldn't have come back at all. I come back in 10 weeks and when I got hurt, I was playing guard. Hmm. And so I come back and I'm like, okay. And they pull me in the off, say, okay, we know you're coming back, but we really need you at right tackle because we just, we need you at right tackle. So now am I coming off of a, of an injury? I'm now playing right tackle against pass rushers and my, slide leg is my broken leg. It's my outside oh, leg, right? Your kick, your kick leg, right? Kicks right. Leg. My kick leg. So, we go to the we go to Foxborough, that piece of garbage that it was, and and we go ahead and it's like the first play we run we run a sweep to the left we run a, a full a full sweep to the left, I take three or four steps go down to cut the the three technique, 
Mm. And I land right on my knee, and I can feel my knee blowing up as I'm going down the field. I blew mm. my bursa sack up. Oh. So by the end of this whole charade, because I came back and played seven games, two to three weeks into it, I wasn't practicing. Mm. I wouldn't practice Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I'd barely go through Friday, walk through Saturday. I get my knee drained and gassed up about 20 minutes for warm-ups on Sunday, and I play. Wow. And so the seventh game, this is kind of the irony of it all. The seventh game of this, we're in, we're in Atlanta. I got buddies of mine in the crowd, the same guys that were at the beginning of my career in Miami. Okay, some of my best buddies. And they're in the they're in the crowd because they live down there. And um, I think it's about the third or fourth drive. I do the same thing, laying on my leg. Mm. Burst is blowing up. I'm trying to rip my straps and my brace off going down the field because I can feel my foot dropping because the circulation is getting cut off and my nerves getting cut off. Right, right. So I come over sideline. Marzo goes, what's up? I go, dude, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I'm done. So I sit out the rest of that season, come back in the off season. I'm trying to get ready. And every time I'm trying to train and get ready, my knee's blowing up. And it it was more work for me. I couldn't get ready to play, let alone play. Right, right. And so I come to training camp. They know my deal. They did a cleanup surgery to try to get it better. And they allowed me to go to training camp. So I had my – I was like the senior guy at training camp. I finally got the – at St. John Fisher's, it would be the equivalent of the RA's room. Okay. And you get it by yourself. Right. I got this huge room. I've got, I knew it's probably my swan song. So I've got right. about $5,000 worth of stuff I've rented in this room. Big <laughs> screens, lazy boys, king size bed, right? I got a refrigerator. So Rube and all the boys are putting, you know, they're putting all their Gatorades in my refrigerator, you know, and all that. And, and, uh, you know, they allowed me to work through it. And then finally they called me in. They're like, what do you think? I go, at this point in time, my wife, where she was pregnant with our second child, she was having complications that started at six months. Mm. I can't get ready to play. The physical part of this, my mind, and it's what John said to you. I'm like, this is it, man. I'm freaking right. done. I can't do this anymore. So I called the people I needed to talk to. Of course, my wife was the first one I talked to. And uh, I made them – like I talked to my agent, and he – we made them promise they wouldn't come back at me for certain things because I was retiring. Sure. Because sure. they could have if they wanted to. Sure. Made them sign some papers. Sure. And once yeah. that was all done, um, I came in on, I think it was a, I want to say it was a Monday or Tuesday, and basically just called an impromptu press conference, walked in, retired, and walked out. Mm. That was the end of it. Tough day. It's uh, You never get past those moments of seeing things for the last time, right? Like there's, there's, there's just that weird feeling of, am I going to walk? Like knowing, just knowing that you're not going to walk certain things that you've done for 10, well, not 10 years, but for however many years that you were there, like it's a powerful story. It, it's, it, it just makes you realize how fleeting it is, right? How, right. how, how small the windows are. Um, and that's not just for, for the listeners, it's not just football as much as that's your story. I mean, that happened to me at my job, my job in Columbus, like right. I was there for years and it was great. It was wonderful. Then all of a sudden it was over. Yeah. And and I wasn't ready for it to be over, but it was over. And it was, it was just like, I, and I, to this day, it's been four years or five years since, since that happened. And it's just, even still, I find myself, you know, looking over my shoulder. Well, yeah. Like, and the wheels, and by the way, thanks Raffles. It's Lou Gehrig. Ralph yeah, Wilson yeah, yeah. Sr. put on. But when you're, you're, my wheels started turning when I when I broke my leg and I came back. And I'm in the – they take me in a golf cart. You know, I got a leg immobilizer. I got crutches. 
And I don't miss games, man. I didn't miss game. I didn't right. miss one game in college. I only man. missed one game in the pros because Wade sat me. Right, and I went right. to his office and begged him. I'm like, please don't sit me. I got to play. And he's like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You know? <laughs> and he's, I'm like, I've got a streak. And he's like, I don't care. We got a team. You need to rest. I'm not worried right. about you being selfish right now. And I was like, right, wow, right. you actually, you're right. I am being selfish. Um, but they bring me on a golf cart. I go up to the press box and they put me in this room in the press box. And I'm literally by myself. Mm-hmm. And I can see people through the glass over here and people that, and I'm sitting there and we're playing the Steelers home opener. And I'm like, damn, mm-hmm. all the fans showed up. Wow. The Steelers are here. There's somebody playing my spot. Like I was like, you know, I figured everybody stay at home. I can't play anymore. You know, not for me. So season's canceled for 10 weeks. Right. right exactly. But, um, but no, those types of things make you realize real quick. It's uh, yeah. It's a lot bigger than yourself, man. That's incredible. A lot bigger. Yeah, everybody, than you are tuned into the Overreaction uh, Buffalo Sports Show. Sitting here with Jerry Ostrowski. We're running late. You got a couple extra minutes. Normally, the yeah, show I'm, goes no, on. I, I got nothing to do, man. I'm great. Cool, cool, I'm cool. Great. I mean, I, I won't keep you long. I just want to get through some of the the, the current Buffalo Bills stuff, um, just because I, I'm. You said you're a football fan. I know that you watch uh, right. the Buffalo Bills and 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 tuned into as as far as that goes. Well, I just I felt it would be cool for the listeners to kind of hear just just what you think about just kind of what's going on with this team. So what do you see in Josh Allen maybe versus Jim Kelly? Do you see sim- similarities? Are they very different players uh, personality wise, on field wise? Like, what do you what is there anything that you see? You're like, oh, oh, I've seen that look before. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, Jim's a better thrower of the football. Interesting. Um, um, he's more accurate. Right. Okay. Uh, Josh has a huge arm cannon. Jim had a big arm too, but Jim was a more accurate passer. And I think passing came a little more, more naturally to Jim. He understood Mm. a little more, Um, you know, but Josh can throw the rock. But the problem is, is Josh is so athletic and Josh wants to run that ball that sometimes when Jim would sit back there and he'd be patting it, patting it. I mean, John, John will tell you stories. How many times I had a dollar for every time he walked to the hell said, guys, Five more seconds. I just need five more seconds. <laughs> five more seconds. I need five more seconds, right? And 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 Josh ain't that dude. Like he's pulling it and going. Right. So he can make John's much more. Uh, Josh is much more athletic with his feet. He can make more plays in that aspect. But you can see the similarities coming. You know, yeah. when twelve walked on the field, we got a chance. Now 17's walking on the field, we got a chance. And. Yeah. You know, I know we didn't win that game um, in Kansas City, um, you know, but Josh wasn't the one playing about 15 yards off of the best tight end in football either. Sure, sure, Um, sure. You know, it's kind of like we felt at home run throwback. When we walked off the field, we were winning that game. Winners. You're winners. Um, You know, so I do see some of the similarities. And there's Jim. Jimmy always had an aura. He had an aura about him. Josh has that aura as well, is starting to get that aura as well. The it factor. Yes. I think it's wild going back to Jim. Um, and I know, I know Kent Hall, just from reading stuff and hearing stuff, Jim would go into the locker room, whatever your pregame stuff, you guys be doing whatever you're doing. And then he'd go in the bathroom and, th- and throw up. Right. And then mm-hmm. Kent Hall immediately would be like 12 ready. Like yeah. I know that quote. Um, my, my uncle, I don't know if you know this. My uncle is Jeffrey Miller, uh, who's a Buffalo Bills historian has written. He wrote rock on the yeah. rock pile. He's written a bunch yeah. of books. So I know a lot of stories just from that kind of stuff. 
Um, and I know Josh throws up before football games as well. But where did the 12 come from? Because I don't hear about other quarterbacks. I don't hear them talk about Joe Montana and calling him 16. Jim was always, by you guys, Jim is always called 12. I don't know. I don't know. It's just something we picked up when I got, I picked up when I got there. I think, um, I think be because I, there's like, he was like the 12th Kelly kid. I mean, it seemed like there was 12 boys, but um, <laughs> no, seriously, I don't know, man. I literally, um, I literally went to the gala last year with John Fina. John, John uh, took me to the, to the Bills alumni gala last year, which was awesome. And I got to meet Daryl Talley for the first time and Daryl called him 12. Right. Like everybody calls him 12. I, I I think Jim has too. It's funny to me uh, what you talked about, about Jim standing back there, patting the ball and saying, you know, I need five more seconds. Uh, if it's one thing that Jim or John has taught me doing the off tackle show, it's about quarterbacks where they're supposed to be and not supposed to be in a seven step drop, seven steps versus, you know, 10 steps. Like he's not supposed to be 10 yards behind the line of scrimmage. Like no. that is not the left tackle's fault. That's yeah. his fault. Like uh, yeah. that and like holding the ball too long and stuff like that. I've learned a lot of that stuff. So yeah, I can definitely, I can, I can, I can picture that moment, which is really incredible. It's cool that you say that jo Josh maybe isn't as much of a pure passer as Jim. It's, it's when, it, when you think of their strokes, they're different. They're definitely different yeah. strokes. Um, do you think Josh Allen's hit his ceiling yet? Or do you think he's got more climb to make? No, I think he's got more climb to make, and it's those types of things. It's being more of an accurate passer. It's the intangibles. It's it's telling yourself in your mind, I'm not going to pull this down and go get five. I'm going to sit here the extra couple seconds and hit that post pattern and get 30 or possibly six. Right. It's those types of things, and I think he's getting more and more comfortable. Now, you know, what's funny is you know, we talk about the Bills and what seems to me, and you you tell me if I'm wrong, of course, we got a defensive head coach, okay? Yeah. It would seem to me the Bills are trying to build themselves to be a, a punch-you-in-the-mouth, power-type mm. football team. Mm. But we're, we don't have it, – it, that's the way it seems to me this thing's trying to be built. And I think if they do that, okay, they bring in – what is it, uh, Saffold this year – you had yep. him with Brown that's already there. You yep. got some guys, you know, Morris is there. You got some tough dudes, some veterans, some guys, you know. Sal's going to hit you in the mouth. He's going to hit you in the face. That's what he does. Right. Um, Brown's that type of player. Yep, yep. They want to control the football. They want to run it. You know, then maybe hit some big plays. So, to me, it would seem like Josh is going to settle down just in the fact that I don't think the head coach in the organization or the coaching staff wants him doing – that type of thing too much. Right. The hurtling linebackers. Right. And, uh, you know what I'm trying to say? Um, I think they want him to tone it down a little bit. And they're trying to build that group up front, and especially with the running game and tight ends, to get him to maybe settle down a little bit. Yeah, At least I don't that's what it seems to me. I don't know what they're trying to do. Um, they've got two completely different running backs in Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. Uh, and then they bring bring in James Cook, who James Cook is wildly talented. Um, Delvin Cook's brother, he's an inch taller, 10 pounds lighter, is not built like his brother, has never had more than 12 carries in a game at Georgia, but he's electric. They talk about his contact balance not being great, but every time he's ever contacted, he's 12 yards down the field and in a full sprint. And right. I don't know who's got great contact balance when they're running full mm -hmm. on. Contact balance between the tackles when you're holding the ball like this and tucked is different than contact balance around the corner when you're running full speed. Um, I think I agree with you 100. And and I and I've been I've been kind of 
clapping about it a little bit in the last couple months that unless we want to see a very Jim Kelly-esque type of scenario with Josh Allen, they better get somebody in here to protect him from a running back right. standpoint and protect him meaning, uh, you know, block blocking as a blocker, uh, protect him meaning that I can, you know, we can rely on a running back to give him the ball, the, the offensive line in front of him. Cause I agree with you. I don't think they want him doing that stuff. I don't, how do you take it out of him? That's the question. I mean, you well, you're played- not going to take it all the way out of them, but you, you know, look at, look at, look at um, Rogers, look at far some of those guys, Right. As they got a little older, they realized when they should and they shouldn't. Right. Um, but I will say this, you know, we talk about Allen as passing, you know, the way he passes football and we're going to be this dynamic downfield passing offense. But if you look at all the great passing offenses in the history of the NFL, okay, you can look at the West Coast, you can look at the K-Gun, you can look at the run and shoot. They all had 1,000-yard tailbacks. Yeah. You know, Thurman rushed for over 15,000 yards in a passing offense. That's right. Um, right. So you need that aspect of it. And I think if you look at the uh, the O-line, and like I said, the Saffold signing, they're trying to get a little bigger, meaner, physical. And I think you're going to see them try to to pound the football a little bit. And I love their their second-round pick that they made. Yeah, James Cook. Uh, I'm ex- I'm yeah. excited to see him play. I don't I don't know that I buy into body types. I don't know that I buy into because his thighs nope. are as thick as Devin Singletary's that he can't be an RB one. I'm not saying he can be, but I'm I'm excited to see it. Is there a player besides Josh Allen on this football team right now that you're really excited to see kind of in 2022? Like, is there a guy that you're like, I want to see what this kid's gonna do? Yeah, you're gonna laugh at me when I tell you. Um, okay. The Von Miller signing has excited me. I agree. And here's why. And you kind of hinted, you took my you took my juice earlier in the show when I was going, I cannot believe I go, I thought I was getting ready to sound really in, in you know intelligent. And here's here's Joe just running with my with my thought. But um sorry. You you had talked about you had talked about the head coach wanting a veteran in every sure. room, right? Yep. People have been going off the chain about Von Miller what being paid too much money to come to Buffalo, right? Right, right, a lot right. of them have. I have not because I see his value. And it's not just in the way he plays. They've got – there's – who besides – when Kyle Williams left, mm. uh, I don't know, Jerry um, – uh, Jerry, yeah, Jerry, Jerry Hughes. Yeah, Jerry Hughes. Maybe he was the guy. But who was the really vocal veteran leader that when some, when he said something, they all stopped and listened to? It was, it was Jerry. It was Jerry or Micah. Or, right. or Jordan, for that matter, but mostly okay. Jerry. Jerry and Michael. Okay, so Jerry moves on. They bring Vaughn in. I think Vaughn's even more so that guy. Mm. And especially with a group up front that's young, mm. that's still kind of inexperienced, that you've got guys that are trying to learn how to rush the pass, Russo and those guys. His, his experience and his leadership are going to take this team to another level. I really believe that. Right, right. Um, and not just defense. I think defensively, yes, but also on the other side of the ball as well. Yeah. That to me, that was my the guy that they brought in this offseason. I thought to me was like, wow, I, I see what they're doing. Yeah, they're yeah. trying to bring some stability and some leadership to this. Not only the defense, but but the team. Yeah. When you look at, I'm going to ask you a silly question, and it's one that I gave you earlier. Um, when you look at a, an NFL where Trent Dilfer has a Super Bowl with the Baltimore Ravens, Mark Rippon beats the <laughs> Buffalo Bills, and so does Jeff Hostetler. Right. The question is, how far can this team legitimately go? 
And obviously, it's a silly question because the Bengals made it to the AFC champion or the Super Bowl, right? I mean, as far as that goes, on a, on a, in a season when the you, you expected the Bills or the the Chiefs to go. But when you when you answer that question, how far can the Bills to how far can the Bills go? Answer it also with what they have to do to get there. Because they know how far they can go. Well, I think you've, I think you've seen, even though, even though what I'm going to say, some people don't agree with. They think it was coaching that that cost them the the opportunity to go to the Super Bowl. But if you looked at their offseason, you looked at their draft. Um, they're building this football team to beat the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, it's they're trying to. They they've got DBs galore coming in. They're keeping DBs around. They're trying to get Micah back. I mean, this is a team that's trying a pass rush. They are trying to position themselves to beat the Chiefs. And I think they also maybe in the back of their minds, maybe see a little resurgence in the Dolphins in the passing game. Mm. Um, you know, they've if Tua can stay healthy and can can make some throws, um, they they pick up my man from Kansas City. Um, Tyreek Hill. Yeah, so they got Tyreek. I, I always want to call him a cheetah because that's – he played at Oklahoma State before he went uh, – before he got booted, and that's yep, what they yep. called him. But um, I see him positioning themselves to try to beat Kansas City. I really I do, and and to be honest with you, I think this it's a Super Bowl caliber team. Yeah, and I, what people don't need to do is panic early because when you go play Thursday night against the Rams, that's a really hard game to go play. Yeah, for um, sure. Everybody needs to settle down, let them play their division, and let this thing work its way out. But I think it's a Super Bowl team. Yeah, I do too. I it's uh, and I don't think it's a I don't think it's a short window. I think there's no. I think Brandon Bean, and as magical as he is at his job, I think that. I think as long as Josh Allen is healthy, I think this is a Super Bowl caliber football team. Um, right, and it's it's amazing to me. And I, I mentioned this to Jay Spence the King uh, a couple shows ago. It's amazing to me that that culture of I just want to retire a Buffalo Bill has come back because when you were here playing and through that whole season, that whole or that whole time, like for all intents and purposes, you know, a lot of those guys, a lot of you guys wanted wanted to retire a Bill, and then. Basically, for 17 years, people were avoiding Buffalo at all costs, unless that's the only place you could go. And now you hear Mitch Moore say, I want to retire a Buffalo Bill. Reed Ferguson, I want to retire a Buffalo Bill. Stephon Diggs, the Bills have given me an opportunity to retire here. You know, Josh Allen doesn't want to play any place but here. It's just that culture that has returned. It's absolutely incredible, and it's just fun to watch. Last question for you. So we talked about Kent Hall belonging in the Hall of Fame. Does Steve Tasker <laughs> Hall of Fame? In your opinion, um, if they're going to put a special teams player in the Hall of Fame, Steve Tasker needs to be the first one. Right. And I, I know they keep talking about Devin Hester mm. and they talk about all these other guys. Tasker was doing those things long before Hester. Uh, Steve changed the game uh, as far as special teams go. And um, for that matter, um, the late Mark Pike probably mm, yep. changed it as much as anybody, yep, as much yep. as Steve did. Um, you had the the smaller special team day guy, and then Pike was the larger special teams guy. But no, he does. Um, he belongs there before Hester or anybody else. Uh, yeah. People, you know, people don't understand that special teams is a third of the game. That's right. But at the end of the game, when you have a guy like Steve Tasker who plays on all teams, mm-hmm. if he just played special teams, he's probably playing thirty to thirty five plays a game. Right, right. That's a big deal. Yeah. Um, that's a lot of a lot of field position, a lot of big plays that can be made. So um, no, by far deserves to be in the hall. Um, and if they're gonna do that, he needs to be the first one in. 
what's amazing to me, I, I asked you the question earlier about just joining a team with so much uh, moxie and so much, so many egos. And Steve right. was not devoid of ego, even his, his stature. He was not a huge dude, but his presence was felt on the football field time yep. and time again. Like incredible. He's incredible. Uh, let's do this. So I'm going to do a quick read uh, for my sponsor, the market dominator. Uh, and then uh, I'm going to close out the show and then there'll be a short outro. Don't, don't click out. So stick around for a couple okay. minutes uh, afterwards, but ladies and gentlemen, you have been tuned into the overreaction Buffalo sports show brought to you by the market dominator on the Buffalo rumblings vodcast network. I'm your host, the voice of the overreaction sports show. My name is Joe Miller. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Miller wired. I've been here all evening with my special guest, uh, Jerry Ostrowski, former Buffalo Bill. Uh, Jerry, where can they find you on Twitter? Um, it's uh, they can find me at, at big O at big O underscore SKI ski. Is where yeah, you awesome. find me? So Jerry Ostrowski and um, hook up, man. I like I like Twitter. Like I said, yeah. that's that is the official blower for middle aged men like myself. <laughs> He's a fantastic follow, uh, but the show is brought to you by the Market Dominator. Who is the, bar the Market Dominator? Market Dominator. The Market Dominator is my very good friend John Spazcheck. Uh, He actually sold, uh, got my house, so he was the agent that I used when we bought our house when we moved back to Buffalo, New York. Uh, his team, between him and Scott Catillus, they're just the best. They they don't allow things to fall through the cracks. They don't allow things to go unanswered. They're constantly pushing the deal forward. Things are changing in the market right now. You probably know that. Yep. Uh, interest rates are rising. Uh, things are, you know, there, there's questions as to whether or not home values are going to drop. John doesn't believe that they are. If you're looking to buy or sell a home in the Buffalo market, Erie County, or anywhere in the country, please give John a call. You can call him on a cell phone, 716-570-3298. That number again, 716-570-3298. That is his cell phone. He will answer the, answer your call. And uh, he's, uh, he's a lot of, a lot of my listeners have called John and used him. And they're all very, very pleased with that decision. Jerry, final thoughts before I let you, before we get out of here. Man, we've got, uh, I believe the other day, we counted down 75 days till college football started. So obviously the NFL is not far behind. Right. Um, I cannot wait. Um, every year, the start of training camp reminds me of the same thing. Uh, the very first day of training camp, the very first stretch, sitting there stretching, thinking to myself, this is the best I'm going to feel for the next seven months. <laughs> <laughs> what do we got to do to get you back for a game? Are you coming? Are you, uh, John and I've been talking. I'm going to come back. I think this year um, I've got a, I've got a 19 year old that plays. My son Owen plays at the university of Tulsa. He's a defensive end. Mm -hmm. He's a red shirt mm -hmm. freshman. Um, obviously we'll be going to a bunch of his games. Mm -hmm. We're going to Josh Allen's uh, old stomping grounds of Laramie up to Wyoming. Oh, the first cool. game of the season. Uh, we got an Airbnb in Oxford at Ole Miss and then a couple other games. But uh, John and I have been talking, so I think this is a year, and I'll make sure I connect with you and let you know when I'm coming up. And uh, If you and, can uh, get we'll home together. for the, the home opener, the Titans game, the Monday, uh, okay. that week is just going to be – like it's just last year it was amazing. Coming off of COVID, all the Twitter stuff, right, right. connections, the team getting better, the the homecoming game that's put on by Jeremy from Coldfront Report or the homecoming party that's put on by Jeremy from Coldfront Report that whole week is just going to be incredible if you can make it home for that weekend John I think is going to be here for that weekend as well okay. awesome. and, and all day Monday I mean all day Monday hanging out at the stadium like leading up to that game like just 
I don't know if I trust. I don't know if I trust myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I won't let you get out of hand. Just damn, I up pretty good because I, I I keep things in check pretty well. But uh, Jerry, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. Like, and I appreciate how candid you were. It was great. No, man, it's always good. I, and let's do it again. I enjoy doing it. And uh, like I said, you guys do a tremendous job. You, thank you. I watch you guys a lot. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, you have been, everybody tuned into the Overreaction uh, Buffalo uh, Sports Show, soon to be the Overreaction postgame show. Once the season uh, starts, as you said, the first time that, uh, me too, I'm going to feel good for seven months because <laughs> we have a lot of primetime games. I'm going to be up till 3 o'clock in the morning, a lot. And it's not easy to do when you're 49 years old because it catches up with you yep. and it's, we don't recover like we used to. But uh, yeah. super good to have you. For me, for Jerry Ostrowski, go Bills. Go Bills. Go Bills. to do's, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.